Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? Ready. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Three seconds left. Outlets to Clarkson. One long dribble in front. Dunks it with point three. Left hand drive, but into traffic. Keeps it alive. Now gets by the defense and scoops and scores. Beautiful move by Jordy Clarkson. He just stalled for a second. Everyone thought the engine was off, but it had a turbo burst left. Rudy Gay, corner three. Good. And Rudy Gay's got 17 points on 7 of 8 shooting. And the Jazz are back up by 12. Clarkson into the lane. Hangs. Gives to Gobert. Packed it with two hands. Rock the Casbah, Rudy Gobert. Very comfortable. And my teammates trust me, you know, and trust me to make the right play inside and feed me the ball. It's almost like the more I get the ball, the more comfortable I get. Obviously, I've been putting a lot of work, you know, this summer and, and, and even this year. So it's uh, great for me to, to get those opportunities and, you know, try to make the right play. They're finishing at the rim or finding my, my teammates open in the, behind the three. There's Rudy Gobert after he helps the Jazz beat the Blazers, make it eight straight road wins. Gobert led the way with 22 points, 14 rebounds, and he did have one especially nice spin move in the middle of the paint there, and he spun back to the right and shot it quick and beat the help defender coming over and got the layup. Was, ooh, ah. He also had a lot of Hey, guess what? I'm six inches taller than you guys. Throw me a lob and I'll dunk it. Thought the Jazz came out absolutely focused on using their size advantage, going right at the Blazers. They build a 14-2 lead. Layups, dunks, and a little bit of uh, the six to eight foot back in mini jump shot out of bogey. Then for some reason they went away from that and let the Blazers back in the game. And that was the story over and over, at least a half dozen times. Stretch that lead to 17, watch it go down to single digits. Stretch that lead to 15 or 16, watch it go down to single digits. It happened over and over and over. To the point Quinn commented on the postgame show, and I think it comes down to one thing. The Jazz just get bored. It's how they lost games at home. They get bored. They don't pay attention to details. They don't bring the same focus and energy. And the other team makes a run and gets them. Because the Jazz have clearly been good enough to win these games uh, that they've lost at home. And they were clearly good enough to, at times, you're thinking, well, they're going to beat Portland by 30. And you don't get anything for beating Portland by 30. Maybe a little bit of satisfaction past the imaginary eye test that we all talk about. Well, there actually is no eye test. PK. Yeah. The Jazz take down the Blazers, the shorthanded Blazers, missing half their roster, two of their best three or four players. Do you take anything from that? Yeah, I was surprised that Lillard uh, waited until five minutes left in the game to get a technical. I would have gotten one much earlier to get the heck out of there. <laughs> Send me home. Yeah. He and, uh, he and Powell both had 32 points, and after that, it got pretty hard for the Blazers to score. Nance was the only other guy in double figures. So the Jazz are off tonight, and then they play the Timberwolves tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. And they'll go back-to-back at home Friday and Saturday with the Wolves and the Warriors. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. 
Rebound Gibson. Big board to Burks for three. Knocks it down. Alec Burks with 31. Morris, couple of jab steps. Drives to his right, all the way to the right block. Turns around, fades away. Oh, Marcus Morris. Bullseye. Bade down the lane. Kicks left sideline. Morant's open three on the way. Ring it up. Put three more on the board. John Morant with his sixth triple of the night. Payne now comes back the other way. Gets it out on top. Booker for three. Shazam! Here's Barnes. Ball fake. Inbounds to Fox. Fox going to drive it. Finds the seam. Feeds a bullet to the corner. Three for the win on the way. It's good! It's knocked down by Chemezi Metu. And it's pandemonium at Golden 1 Center. A scene that we haven't seen in like forever. With Kings fans jumping up and down. Arms extended. Kings win it at the horn. 95-94. Chemezi Metu. Kings with a dramatic finish to pick up the win. They beat the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, You also heard the highlights there as Alec Burks went off for 34 points and the Knicks beat the Pistons. But PK, I think for most Jazz fans, it's basically a three-team league at this point. Tell me what the Jazz did. Tell me what the Warriors and Suns did. And the Suns got the easy win over the Thunder. 115-97, Devin Booker having a big night with 38 points. Yeah, I would say for me too. Also, tell me what BYU did. In the NBA? Well, what the uh, BYU guys are doing in the NBA. Okay. Yeah. How'd Jimmer do? <laughs> He's not in the NBA. He's not? Oh, what a joke. I mean, everybody else is. Why isn't he? <laughs> it's only a matter of time. The countdown is on. So watching those Blazers guys, man, I'm, I'm not sure I knew who Half most of those dudes was, were. Right? Yeah. Yeah, really? Who's this guy? You know who John Moran is? He went for 41. You know who LeBron is? He went for 37. And the Grizzlies beat the Lakers, 104-99 in L.A. Well, Moran is a young, spectacular player, and I like what Fisdale, he's been the acting coach with Vogel being in the protocol, said the other day. Uh, he basically apologized to LeBron. We don't have a good enough team around you, but you, what's today, the 29th? Uh, I think tomorrow. Oh, is today the 30th? Today's the 30th. Oh, yeah, today's his, LeBron, says, I think it's his birthday today. He's 37 years of age. I mean, this he's just incredible. To, to do what he's doing at his age is just, I don't know if it's necessarily completely unprecedented, but if not, it's close to it. And unprecedented is the word of the month here in our community, obviously, uh, with the unprecedented Kalani and uh, Danny Ainge and, and what LeBron's doing is just absolutely marvelous. I mean, the team isn't very, any good, obviously, but he, at 37 years of age now, is just sensational. Lakers are 17-19. and 19. They're now two games under 500, which is still good for seventh in the West. The West, there have been years where the West is very deep, and this is not one of those years. A lot of injuries to a lot of teams, and once you get down into the 5, 6, 7 range, everybody's around 500, give or take a game or two. Well, depth always gets reduced in the playoffs anyway, doesn't it? Yes, it does, but that wasn't what I was getting at, but thank you, PK. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, it's just, just, I'm a little off my game this morning. I'll rally. Ricky Rubio undergoing an MRI, confirmed he tore his ACL in his left knee Tuesday. He is done for the year, and then we'll see how it impacts the start of next season. But he's, he's certainly out for the year. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. You want to know how BYU did? They won, PK. It's a good thing Gideon George came off the bench with 17 points. BYU avoids what could have been a disastrous defeat to Westminster, but they win 
53. And a lot of guys who you would think would score, especially against Westminster. Loner was shut out. Torrey coming off that uh, massive 19.13 rebound game. Had four points and five boards. Looked pretty ordinary. Barcelo didn't shoot it very well. Three of nine, didn't get to double figures. He finished with nine points. But Gideon George gave him 17, and they got the win. I think if you look back historically over the years, though, the Cougars have always struggled with Westminster. Thanks, PK. (laughs) Their two-game series history. (laughs) He didn't say you had to look back over a lot of history. (laughs) Or two years. I mean, anytime you get to close up to the hill, those two, throw the records out. Utah State opens Mountain West Conference play by losing to Air Force 49-47. Man, do you have flashbacks when you hear that score, PK? A lot of trips to Air Force, a lot of games uglied up. First team to 40 wins. Right, yeah. I mean, that tends to be the case over there. The, the, the more things change, the more things they stay the same, right, with the academy and their their type of players and their style of play. I got to say, I was surprised. It's, it's, it's disappointing because Utah State, I mean, they haven't been as surprising as their football team because obviously they weren't nearly as bad as their football team was last year. Uh, but, you know, I, I was encouraged by watching them play several times in the non-conference. So I'm thinking, wow, they got a nice opportunity to go 1-0 and zero and pick up a road win, and then they don't. Justin Bean, 18 points, 10 rebounds. He gets it done. And when they were down pretty big, because eight points feels like 18 when you're playing Air Force and they're slowing everything down, Bean was the guy who got him back into the game with a couple of buckets. But not enough. They come up short, 49-47, and lose their Mountain West conference opener. BYU's conference opener at Portland Saturday postponed the pilots pausing team activities due to COVID. Uh, why not just give them the win? It's Portland. <laughs> we weren't going to win anyway. Here you go. <laughs> You've got to go into the Beehive. It's the Child Center. Come on. Say, Didn't they play say. a triple OT game up there like five years ago? And there's a famous quote from TJ Haas uh, that lives yeah. on from that yes, arena. Right. He gets up off the floor. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I would think, too, that, that now that I look at it, no. If you even get a response from anyone in Portland, consider that a win. So you don't want to shut them, have them shut the F up. Just the fact that somebody said something indicates somebody actually cares about Portland basketball. That would be awesome if Barcelo, whenever they go up there, Barcelo's dribbling up court. Will someone say something as he dribbles up court? I need some crowd noise. What? Shut the F up! Okay. Of course, I thought that was a bunch of listeners talking to me. Heyo! <laughs> Utes! Back into Pac-12 play. Now, you may have forgotten, but the Pac-12 played two games early in December. Uh, well, each team in the Pac-12 played two games early in December. And the Utes split them. They're 1-1, one and one, and they are going to Oregon State. And Oregon State has been awful. 2-10. and 0-2 oh in conference. That game's on the Pac-12 network. Shocked ESPN and FS1 didn't want that one. Uh, that game will be on the Pac-12 network tonight with 2-10 and 10 Oregon State hosting the Utes. Whack well, play. Oh, go ahead. Opportunity, obviously, there for Utah to get off to a good start. Well, not I, – yeah, they've already been. You're right. At one and one Get off to a better start, then. Put it that way. There are some teams struggling, and we assume that Craig Smith will have better teams going forward when he's had a chance to recruit there and mine the transfer portal a little more. But there is a chance to get into the middle third of the league this year. Uh, the top of the league is clearly out of reach, but the bottom of the league isn't very good. There's some teams to beat to get into that, the middle of the league here. 
and Oregon State's one of those teams. Yeah, I don't think the middle of the league is very good. If, if Oregon State is a middle of the league team at two and ten, they're not. Your league, your league sucks. This is how you beat the bottom and you get to the middle. Uh, yeah, I see no reason why. I mean, as you say, it's uh, uh, what the, the two LAs in Arizona, and that's it. After that, it looks wide open. Normally, you would throw Oregon in there, but how unimpressive has Oregon been? Well, I mean, right now, these are the glory days in Eugene. Just <laughs> which which team is worse, football or basketball? Uh, if you've been jealous of Oregon's money and success, now is the time to focus on on Duck Athletics. Get the duck out of here. Hey-o. <laughs> Uh, whack play. UVU opens conference at Abilene at home against Abilene Christian. They'll play in Orm at six o'clock. Dixie State is home playing Tarleton State. It's going to be hard to get used to the new whack. Couldn't name it for a million bucks. I'm going to have to get on that. I really think Abilene Christian should rename itself and call it Maybelline. Then you can play the Chuck Berry tune. Maybelline. You got an opportunity to get some separation there. Big Sky, Sac State's at Southern Utah. Weber State has made the trip to Bozeman. They're taking on Montana State, both those games on ESPN+, Plus, as are the WAC games. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Yeah, well, thanks for letting me clarify that. I don't, I wouldn't rule that out. You know, I think that I'm just enjoying this season for this season. And I think there's playing next year is, will definitely be in the thought process. Um, one of the things that, that obviously, and you and I have talked about this over the years, wanting to, to not be a bum, per se, on the way out and, and to still be able to play, I think is important to me. Uh, if this year has stopped me anything, I said, um, you know, I still can play. I still have a love for the game. I'm still super competitive and, and still enjoy the the the, uh, the process of the week. I miss practice, and it's tough to not be out there week after week now. But um, I still do love competing, and I love being out there. Well, then, why in the world would you retire? That makes no sense. But we just get Aaron Rodgers press conferences, and then he says stuff, and everybody reacts, and he gets attention, and whatever. That's his. Isn't that his weekly show with the What's the dude who does the show with the muscle shirt? What's his name? Uh, the former punter. Pat McAfee. Thank yeah, you. there you go. There you go. This yeah, was yeah, an immediate yeah. session, though. Oh, was it? Okay. I believe so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it, it, he's... Aaron Rodgers, I think, had a perfect score on one of those standardized tests coming out of high school. So guys like him, they've got to talk. I mean, they're just too smart not to. So if he's asked a question... Even though he's a little bit of a drama queen, if he's asked a question, he usually gives you a deep answer. Well, he does look really good playing football. He isn't practicing, so why the heck retire? I mean, I can appreciate that he doesn't want to hang on at the end and you know be the 27th best quarterback in the NFL. No, I mean, but right no now he's that. at the top of his game. I mean, they they win. They're the one seed. They're they're in position now. They just got to finish it off here and. Then we'll see if they can get back to the NFC title game for the third straight year. I and mean, he's at the top of his game, and they've been really good for a while. So I know. Brady said, shut up, kid. <laughs> you youngsters. You're so immature. <laughs> Wait till you're 45. Niners quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo telling reporters he definitely has a chance to play against the Houston Texans Sunday night, despite a reportedly sprained ligament and fractured bone in his right thumb. That would be the thumb he helps throw the ball with. Doesn't sound great to me. He didn't look great last week. I say anybody who watched his, him last Thursday. Had his general manager liking a tweet. It was a mistake. It had to be. He had to have been looking at the tweet like, what's the public saying? And then sit on his phone. 
I mean, you couldn't really be an NFL GM and like that tweet and think that would be a good idea. Could you? Okay, did he like the tweet, even though it was a mistake that he liked it? Yeah, I don't know how what to what level they have faith. I mean, obviously they've drafted the next good young quarterback, so they just view him as kind of a B-level quarterback. Hey, maybe he can get us to the playoffs, but we're not going to win the Super Bowl with this guy. Although they've been to a Super Bowl recently. Seahawks star, former Utah State Aggie standout Bobby Wagner admitted that his future in Seattle is in question despite racking up incredible numbers. 170 tackles so far this season, just five away from setting the NFL record for tackles in a single season. Wagner is set to count $20 million, $20.35 million to be exact. Against Cap next year, the franchise could be on the verge of just hitting reset, blowing everything up, clearing cap room, and obviously there would be takers for Bobby Wagner. But he has been a fixture in Seattle. But where they are, maybe they just want to start over. Maybe. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. First and 10 from the 16. Handoff Brooks again, sweeping left. Puts his foot nice. on the ground, cuts it up. He's to the 10. He's to the 5. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Oklahoma. Kennedy Brooks, 16 yards. Caleb Williams, he's got it. Back to pass. Looking left, lobs end zone for Stoops. He caught it. He caught it. Drake Stoops, touchdown with Bob Stoops on the Williams going to hand it to him again. Comes near side, cuts it up. 25-20. What a move down the sidelines. Kennedy, 5-10. Touchdown. Kennedy Brooks into the end zone from 29 yards out. And Oklahoma. 47-32 winners over Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. They scored 24 unanswered in the second quarter, and that was the end of that game. Oklahoma scoring on eight straight possessions after punting on the first one. The Oregon defense never showed up. The Oregon offense showed up after halftime when it was too late to do anything but make the score a little more respectable. Never got them back in the game because Oklahoma went through that defense with no problems, PK. Yeah, it was beautiful to see. (laughs) You don't care about that Pac-12 pride, huh? The conference has got to make a name for itself. Win important games. Uh, yeah, I, the team's bowl records, uh, just their conferences' bowl records, that's something that announcers have always talked about. And it's like you, you, the hometown team, uh, the, the color guy says, well, you got to get off to a fast start. I mean, you can count on it. Well, what does it mean? The SEC's uh, struggling. Does that mean the SEC's a bad league? Yes. Horrible. That don't make no sense if you ask me. Clemson beat Iowa State 20-13 in the old Cheez-Its Bowl. A pass deflected in the air, swatted, but not towards the ground. A bizarro play that gets returned in a pick six ends up being the difference in the game. Dabo Sweeney's won 150 games now as a football coach, and Clemson has another 10-win season, and they knock off Iowa State 20-13. 11 straight 10-win seasons for those guys. And Maryland blew out Virginia Tech 54-10. More games today. Early kickoffs. While we're still on the air, North Carolina and South Carolina will meet in Charlotte in the Dukes Mayo Bowl. That game's going to kick off at 9.30 this morning. And then there will be football all day long. 
football. Wisconsin and Arizona State in the Vegas Bowl, 8.30 tonight on ESPN. That'll be the fourth of four consecutive games on ESPN. Georgia coach Kirby Smart said the Bulldogs were dealing with COVID-19 issues a couple weeks ago, but he expects his team to be near full strength when they play number 2 Michigan tomorrow night in the Orange Bowl. One of the national semifinals for the college football playoff. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Joe Ingles is going to join us at 9 o'clock this morning. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider Radio Analyst, Pac-12 Network Analyst. He will join us next right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're talking Rose Bowl with Lincoln Kennedy next. Stay with us. It's official. The youths are the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the youths to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio State? Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the youths' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the youths in the Rose Bowl is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Lincoln Kennedy joins us now. Raider, radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. How are you guys today? Good. When I say Rose Bowl, what do you think? The Granddaddy Mall. Remember, I used to hear Keith Jackson as I was a kid talking about announcing the games, and he had a you know standout announcer's voice. And then, of course, having the pleasure and the privilege of playing in three of them, um, you know, I was I was lucky. I spent my Christmases in Southern California. The first one was the Freedom Bowl, and they used to have that in Anaheim, and then three straight Rose Bowls. So I was very fortunate. What was it like, Lincoln, to run out of that tunnel on that glorious January 1st? Even though you did it three years in a row, I imagine that it wasn't old for you. No, no, it wasn't old. It was definitely welcome. I mean, you think about it, you know, that's the largest stadium uh, you had the chance to play in, in college. And, and the fact is that you go out to sometimes an equally separated color fan base. Uh, we played Michigan twice. We played Iowa once. And, I remember seeing the purple in the stands, but there was, you know, sprinkles of other fan bases as well. It was, it was just fun. It was great. It was very exciting. And the, the week that led up to it uh, was exciting. The, the Rose Bowl committee always put on a good show. I don't know how it is these days, but, um, you know, we were down there for a week or two practicing in L.A. before the game happened. And, you know, it was, it was just cool. It is a bigger crowd, and you played. I don't think the stadium even holds 100,000 because I think they've downsized it, put some seat backs in and all that, but they squeezed in 100,000 for some of those games. Is it louder? It's yeah. bigger. Is it louder than the other stadiums, or because it's kind of a flat bowl, does it not hold the sound the same way? Well, it's, it's louder. It can get loud. You can definitely have a, a noise advantage if you have a crowd advantage, but most of the time with the Rose Bowl, it's pretty much equal. So there really wasn't like any team had one advantage over anyone else. Although I understand it with these guys wanting to opt out, I am disheartened that they wouldn't want to play in the Rose Bowl. What's your take? You know what? I've, I've 
kind of come under some criticism with my stance because I think it's very selfish for the guys wanting to opt out and just, you know, focus on getting ready for the combine or anything like that. A lot of times, because it's a team game, they didn't accomplish those things on their own. If he was a standout quarterback, he wouldn't have been anything if he didn't have an offensive line or he didn't have, uh, you know, receivers or backs to go to and vice versa. You know, a running back wouldn't be good if he didn't have an offensive line or an offensive system to rely on. And the, the bowl games, especially one of this magnitude, is such a big deal that you want to win. You want to have all hands on deck. I think it's a little selfish for, 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 for guys to just opt out and want to do their own thing. Now they want to be on their own and be an individual. And I also think the same thing approaches. You know, once you coach a team to a high-level bowl or a high game and then all of a sudden you have us for another job, I think that's incredibly selfish. So it goes both ways. So now that you know those guys are missing, assuming there's no more guys out for COVID, which obviously could happen, but as we understand as it's set up now, who do you think wins the game? No, I really would like to see uh, Utah put on a good showing. Um, I was a little disappointed last night in the showing of Oregon, but kind of expected it when I thought about Oklahoma's running game. So I would like to see Utah go and put on a good show. It's their first one. I, I, mean, I think they're, they're really a great champion for the Pac-12. I like the fact that they're representing us, but I'd like them to go out there and put a good showing on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that would be something that would really be special for this program. I think it would be the greatest yeah. accomplishment. Uh, you were with, as you said, you played with three Rose Bowl teams with Washington. Uh, what do you think Utah, as a, as a football program and maybe even beyond that as a university, how much can they cash in from this Rose Bowl experience going forward? Well, I, I think it's a tremendous honor and step in the right direction. If you think about what Utah has been through, what Kyle Willingham has done for the program, the consistency that it's had over the years. Now, this is just a probably stepping stone in the right place. You know, they were for forever a bridesmaid, but never a bride. And now they've got to that point where they're at the granddaddy of all and they're representing the conference. Sure, it's not the college football playoff that so many people put so much into, but it is a step in the right direction. It's a building block for the future because, you know, now it's not just Oregon who's going to showcase the UT. Their, their uniforms is Utah and other places. <laughs> showcase their, their uniforms on a, on a center stage and New Year's Day. Do you trust Ohio State with these guys out? Do you trust that Ohio State recruits great? There's no short, slow guys over there, so they'll plug four players in and keep going? Or this is an awfully big stage to take on more responsibility, and are you really up to the moment, and this is going to be a problem for some of these guys stepping in roles, whether it's a tackle or wide receiver or whatever? Uh Yeah, I'm, you know, here's the thing, because, you know, these opt-outs, COVID, you never know who's going to be available to actual game day. But I'm hoping, you know, from Utah's standpoint, I'm hoping that they can apply the physical pressure like Michigan did when they played Ohio State and beat them down. And even when Oregon took them on in a horseshoe. So it doesn't matter who's out there. It's, it's going to be a mentality. It's going to be an attitude. And because the rosters are so deep on college campuses, the college rosters, um, you know, you can, you can very well make the argument that the next man should be able to go out there and do a solid job. I'm wondering, you as a former lineman in the college game and in the NFL, did you laugh that two receivers didn't want to risk injury? I laughed anytime I didn't want to go out and, and didn't want to play risk injury. Like I said, it, they, they didn't get there by themselves. They might have talent. No one's saying that you're not going to be able to go to the next level, but I think it's just crazy these days that you know guys want to opt out because they want to focus on the combine. Focus on what? And most of the time they want to do pro days anyways. All you're going to do is run and jump. Go out there and play football, have some fun, 
and, and you know, give your teammates a little bit of love back. You guys all deserve it together. You should have fun and enjoy it together. Speaking of the next level, I have to admit, I thought the Raiders were done and dusted. It was all over. They lost five of six. They had a coaching change. It was just too much. They weren't good enough. And then they beat the Browns and the Broncos, and they're eking out these 16-14 and 17-13 wins. The Colts have been playing great. The dream dies here, right? Or they're going to shock us here in the last month of the season. <laughs> look, the, the Raiders have been a pillar of inconsistency all season, and I've said it. One game may look all right, next game may look horrible. Um, I was surprised about the Bronco game. They were able to pull it out because I really thought they lost their edge. Um, playing lackluster now, they've got to have an answer for Jonathan Taylor. Forget who's possibly playing a quarterback for the Colts, whether it's Carson Wentz or uh, Sam Ellinger or whoever. They've got to have a, uh, an answer for Jonathan Taylor, and I don't know if they have that now. And, you know, talk about being wrecked by the COVID list. As early as Monday, there were six defensive players that were a part of that COVID list. And some of the standout ones, like Denzel Perriman, they're, uh, you know, Pro Bowl linebackers. So I'm still waiting to see the final tally who's going to be available for Sunday's game. But I hope they put up an effort and fly because they got a chance. And they, but if they have any aspirations of going to the playoffs, they got to win these final two games against the Colts and the Chargers. It's not going to be easy. Yeah, you speak of the Chargers, man. Just when I want to anoint them as, yeah, they're a solid playoff team, they stumble. I'm not sure what to make of them now. You know what was interesting this year uh, about the Chargers, and unlike last year, I thought like years ago, I think when Philip Rivers is quarterback most notably, they would start off slow and then finish strong uh, and then be in the playoff contention of being a conversation towards the end of the year. This year has kind of been a little bit of a reversal. They started off fast and then they slowed down considerably. Now it's really no, you don't know what to make. They've got, you know, they've got all the pieces in place. They've got a quarterback. They've got a coach who's aggressive. They, they got a system and if they can get healthy along with, you know, dealing with COVID like everyone else, they can still be a force. But I'm hoping that they're down for the count. I'm hoping that the Raiders are able to take care of them at the end of the year. That way they can end up splitting with the Raiders, uh, you know, splitting with the Chargers. Um, and, you know, sweeping the Broncos, and they still have their work to do against Kansas City, as you already know. So the Dolphins lost seven straight games, including one to the Raiders. So you, you saw them early yeah. in the year. They lost to the Jaguars in that stretch. They lost to the Falcons <laughs> in that stretch. I mean, they were a bad football team. But now they've won seven in a row. And granted, they haven't beaten many playoff teams. The Saints were way, way shorthanded in that Monday night game as the Dolphins won their seventh in a row. They're catching the Titans, and maybe the Titans will get their star running back back for the playoffs, but they don't have him now. Uh, no Derrick Henry makes him a different team. Is Miami going to keep doing this? they got the Titans and then the Patriots. You know, it's awfully hard to say. You know what's interesting about the Utah? They didn't beat in playoff caliber teams. Well, the Raiders beat several playoff teams from last year, but they still were inconsistent. I mean, it's just been one of those years. There's nothing that's, that's really given, and the AFC has created such a garbled mess that's the tiebreakers and all the other scenarios are going to come into view. And I'm glad that the Raiders are able to take care of business against teams like the, um, the, the Ravens, against teams like the Steelers and the Dolphins, uh, because if it comes down to it, you know, they're, they're going to be in the thick of things just because they beat those teams when they had a chance. Yeah, right. If you do that, you will be in the thick of things. And 
and uh, mm-hmm. that's what makes it it makes it entertaining as far as which teams actually get in the playoff. And I do think in the NFL, if you get in the playoffs, that's a significant accomplishment uh, for most teams anyway. I guess maybe if, if you're the Chiefs or, or the Packers, maybe just getting there isn't enough. But I'm wondering, you know, the NBA is sort of predictable. When the season starts, we can pick out three or four teams at the most who have a shot to get to the finals. And the NFL, we don't really know what's going to happen week to week. But I'm wondering, as now we're getting close to the end, obviously, with a couple of games to go at the end of the season, if we can say, all right, uh, Packers, Chiefs, Bucks, maybe somebody else from the AFC. Uh, so the teams that we thought were legitimate Super Bowl contenders, 17, 18 weeks later, that's where we are. But here's the thing what you take in consideration you watch this year's football. Anybody can beat anybody, right? Right. You saw the yeah. Dallas Cowboys get shredded by the Denver Broncos. You know what yeah. I mean? And when when the Denver's yeah. down, you know what I mean. So there's there's it's anyone's guess who's going to actually be on the top. The great thing about the NFL playoffs, and this is what I've always referred to, especially as a player, is like you get in and anything can happen. A wild card team can go on the road three times and end up the Super Bowl. They take care of business. You know, a, a favorite team has that first week by, and then they can run the course for the two games and then the Super Bowl. Anything can happen, but you got to be in it to win it, and they got to get a chance to get in it. So, any anything can happen once you get in the playoffs. Ben Roethlisberger, is he all done? Should one of these teams that's uh, decent but needs quarterback help, obviously the Bronco fans are going to say the Broncos, but there's probably a handful of these teams around the league, should they be looking at him? That's a terrible team defending the run and a terrible team running the ball. I think they're actually last defending the run in the entire league. They give up more yards per game than anybody. Could he go somewhere and have a positive impact, or he's all done, he's hanging by a thread, and he should just walk away? I think like Cam Newton, he should have walked away a couple of years ago. Yeah, looking that way, that's for sure. You have been involved <laughs> in bro- you've been in broadcasting for a number of years, obviously. Yeah. I'm wondering uh, what are your thoughts and maybe what type of influence uh, John Madden had. Obviously, he was a legendary figure. Uh, uh, still dealing with the guys and. Um, he was a he was very instr- instrumental in my development, my growth as a broadcaster. It's been an emotional week. You know, I'm realistic and practical. I know everything lives eventually dies, but when you lose somebody like that, and he meant so much to me because he was, you know, he was very pivotal in me devi- defining my voice, saying that it had to be different, couldn't be like everyone else. You know, told me not to use you know his phrases, his slogans, and stuff like that. Boom, and all that other stuff. And, you know, when you're commentating on the games. And, but, you know, I, I was just in awe because he made me part of his, one of his video games and actually had some input in how I was designed in the back of the day. So there's a lot of moments that I had, had with Coach. And, of course, he was part of the Raiders family. And we were always thinking and well-known, well-together, well, well, well close together. Um, but you just talk about being or, or knowing someone who was – pivotal in changing the history of the game. And I've had the honor been around guys like, you know, Tom Davis and Tom Flores and John Madden, just to name a few, but you know, also had the privilege of meeting the Rooney's and the Hunt family and stuff like that. And just the, just the people that make the NFL what it is today. Um, Paul Tagliabue, I mean, the list goes on and on. 
And John Gruden, I mean, not John Gruden, John Madden would always be one of those guys that would be synonymous with the NFL. Did so much for the game, both on and off the field. Um, he will be lost. And I hope he, he and his family and his heart rest in heaven, rest in paradise and peace. How did he connect so well with so many people? Because reading the stories and the tributes, I mean, your part, you know, you played for the Raiders, and even after he was yeah. done coaching, he was tight with Al Davis. So I get in yeah. that sphere how he was close to so many people, but I'm reading all these tributes, and, like, he had this close friendship with Peggy Fleming, the figure skating commentator yeah. gold medalist. Yeah. How did he reach out beyond what you would think the normal sphere of influence would be and, and connect with all these people? He was, he was the best at simplifying everything that you wanted to talk about didn't matter it didn't matter if it was politics it didn't matter if it was sports it didn't matter if it was life he just simplified it he, he, he brought it down to earth and made you in a conversation no matter what your level was he made you it made it fun to talk to him and to be around him and just enjoy his personality and that was the thing that he connected with so many people for you know forget about the sports like you talked about and the connection with it it's just he was just a fun guy to sit down and chat with well, Lincoln, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us. Sorry for your loss there with, uh, with John Madden. And uh, enjoy the week, and we will talk to you again in another week. Happy New Year, guys, uh, to you and all your, your listeners. You guys be safe out there. Happy New Year to you too, Lincoln. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst, played in three Rose Bowls with the University of Washington, and talked broadcasting with John Madden. And that's only part of his resume, but that's a pretty impressive chunk of it right there, PK. Yeah, three Rose Bowls, man. Washington obviously had it going on during the time he was there, and he's spoken with that many times with Don James, and they were a great team. I think they shared a national title. It was with Georgia Tech Yeah, um, when he was there, uh, what, in like 90, 91 or so, and then he's a Hall of Famer in the collegiate level and went on to a decorated career as the NFL. And, wow, it kind of caught me off guard, his uh, emotional stance a little bit with uh, John Gruden, I'm John Gruden, John Madden, uh, I drove by the uh, Allegiant Stadium yesterday, and on the marquee, they had a big picture of John with his, you know, what they do underneath uh, the birth uh, year and the, and the death year, because obviously he was a significant figure, and it was cool to have Lincoln acknowledge that. I did not realize how much John Madden meant to him personally. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Once he started explaining, it made sense to me, but I had no idea. Right. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We have Joe Ingles coming up at 9 o'clock. But between now and then, we've got a lot of time to talk college football and talk Rose Bowl and talk Utes and Buckeyes. PK has made the trip. That's why he's driving past uh, Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. He's made the trip to Southern California to be in Pasadena for the game. We've got, uh, we've got shows broadcasting from there uh, all day long. We'll tell you more about that coming up. We've got the question of the day. College football on the way. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. He covers Ohio State for the athletic Bill Landis. You know, there are people on the Michigan side questioning Ohio State's toughness. And, and one of their assistant coaches, I, I believe, said that Ohio State was, was kind of a soft finesse team. And obviously that's never something you want to hear somebody say about your program. So I'm interested to see if there's carryover from that going into this Rose Bowl. Because we all know that, that Utah wants to play the same kind of way. They, they want to play a physical brand of football. And Ohio State just kind of got challenged a little bit by Michigan. And, you know, I guess that can go one of two ways. 
they can just kind of roll over and kind of end the season and not, not worry much about putting up a fight. But I would say there's some pride in the line for Ohio State, too, because I don't think they want to go out in a fashion where it's, you know, back-to-back games where you're getting pushed around like that. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text hair to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Got multiple questions. One on the game coming up Saturday night. One on the game from last night, the Alamo Bowl, Oregon and Oklahoma. Both teams missing their head coaches who took off for other jobs. And Oklahoma scores on eight straight possessions and wins 47-32. Question, how bad is Oregon? Don says, you need to look at it from another perspective. We know that Utah is at least as good as Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, is that the goal, though, to be as least as good as Oklahoma? You're in a Rose Bowl, man. You won the Pac-12 what did uh, Oklahoma? They didn't even play in the in the final, right? They did not. Reserves was it Baylor and Oklahoma State, right? Baylor and Oklahoma State. It got decided at the one yard line. Yeah, yeah, that was a great game. Uh, they played earlier in the day, uh, the day after uh, Utah had just annihilated Oregon, and so you know I think that uh, seeing Oregon just roll over and play dead was about one point. It was thirty to three, wasn't it? That was a uh, halftime score. Yeah. And that doesn't do well for the Pac-12, but if Utah goes out there and wins on Saturday... Nobody cares. Yeah, and and that does wonders for the Pac-12. Ohio State is a top two or three brand in college football. You cannot deny it. Absolutely. You know, we're staying at the uh, hotel in the L.A. Live area, they call it. They didn't have L.A. Live when I was uh, living down here at that time down there right now not it's down here because i'm here <laughs> not if for i me. wasn't for you it's down there right but i'm literally here right now and you know the whole hotel it's the media center it's it decorated with utah and washington washington i don't know where i got that ohio state let's think of lincoln kennedy and when i got in it was just buzzing with folks and you could feel something special and i've been to a not a million bowls, but I've been to a lot of bowls. And just getting out of the car, it felt different. It raining like cats and dogs, raining hard today, although it's supposed to be sunny tomorrow and then sunny and 60-something at kickoff. Just like I told you, he <laughs> is a Rose Bowl fan, and he takes care of us every single year. There's a reason why the rain is on a Wednesday and Thursday but not Friday and Saturday. No, you just don't mess around at that point. It's going to be a glorious day. It's going to be the highlight of Utah's program. Unprecedented is the word of the month, as we were joking about. And unprecedented attention, the University of Utah football program and in the university itself and Kyle Whittingham and all the stuff that the Utes are about. That's what they're going to receive on Saturday. There's just no doubt about it. And if you win this ball game, 
it, untold amounts of positive publicity are just going to flow in your direction. Just getting here is a great accomplishment. There's no question about that. But it's not like the Pac-12 had a banner season by any stretch. But Ohio State is still Ohio State. They lost a couple of ball games. Michigan finally got them. Good for them. And so this puts them in this game. But they're still one of the biggest brand names. I mean, I could argue they're the second biggest brand name right now that we have in college football behind Alabama. And I can make a strong argument for that to the point where you you couldn't knock whoever has that argument. You may disagree and they may nitpick going in this direction or that direction, but the strong argument is there to be made. And if you could beat this program right now, this would be the pinnacle. This is a great opportunity. And it's it's played in this, this legendary venue and this city. Obviously, this city is massive. The L.A. Live people for – uh, for folks who don't know where that is, it's right across the street from what's what are they just renamed Staples Center and that crypto. Just, yeah, that emotional moment of the of arena no longer having the name. I mean, it was so touching. They had to bring back everyone. Oh, uh, it's no longer the great moments of the Staples Center. I mean, geez, we're hurting for stuff if we change a name and we get melancholy. <laughs> it, it was weird, but still there the was same building. There's plenty of stuff on social media, and they were they were getting all weepy about it. It was hard to believe, you know. The, the team didn't move, and they didn't tear down the stadium. Man, if you want to tear down Dodger Stadium and build something newer and more modern, well, you need to have a year long send off, and you need to bring back oh. great Dodgers, and you need to play moment all the great moments. Yeah, but uh, that would be different. Well, like that, is... The Giants did that when they moved from Candlestick to. Okay, that's a great example. Ballpark. Right. And they brought him out. And of course, you know who the last person they introduced was? Willie Mays. Simply the greatest ball player ever. Unless, and and that's, that's something that's inarguable. I'll let you argue that Ohio State, there might be a bigger brand, but I will not let you argue that there's a better ball player than Willie Mays. You got, Bama, you got Bama as the bigger brand than Ohio State, but Ohio State's past Notre Dame because they haven't won, national, they haven't won a national title in the last 30 years. Well, if you, if you just go in terms of publicity, I think it's Notre Dame. But if you combine the success with the brand, I think you have to put Notre Dame below Ohio State. So you answer your question, yes. Yeah, this if Ohio State loses this game, this will be their first three-loss season in a decade. That's oh where they've gosh. been. That's where they've been. They're going to have to have an internal investigation to see what happened. <laughs> and for a league that takes a lot of heat, the Pac-12 would have two of the three wins over Ohio State. Yeah, see, so that's where I don't think, even with these four dudes sitting out and hopefully COVID doesn't involve, we all hope that no matter what sport at every every single level, we wish it would just go away and die, obviously. Uh, but that's where I have a hard time thinking, well, Ohio State doesn't want to be here. I mean, there's so much tradition uh, that these guys have to uphold. You know, so Just whatever college football is about, Ohio State, at least partially, if not completely, defines it. And that's why I was so hoping that they got, in a sense, it's like better than playing if uh, Michigan had uh, lost the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, because Ohio State's been better than Michigan over the last decade. So even though Michigan won the game and they get to go to the playoff, it's better that you're getting Ohio State. Uh, They're the bigger name. They're top two or three. And you've got the and and Utah's really carrying the banner uh, for the the Pac-12. 
I mean, Oregon got rolled last night. The, the Devils, uh, they, they've had like five, six guys leave the program. Either they're going to go to the NFL or obviously it's a, the program is trending very poorly and people are leaving to go to other places. They're going to be without their top two running backs. And so I don't think they've got much of a chance against Wisconsin. UCLA uh, so, didn't even play. And they didn't get the chance to play. Yeah. Oregon State loses to a Mountain West team. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you need the Pac-12 to do something. And this is they're going to be their big chance. And, and there's if you win the Rose Bowl, that covers up a lot of inadequacy. Because that's the one that I think the nation would remember. Oh, yeah, well, Utah beat Ohio State. And you can't say, well, Ohio State didn't want to be there. I, I, I just don't buy it. I don't Not the Rose Bowl. If you want to go Alamo Bowl, if you want to go these other bowls, lesser stature bowls, all right, I can buy that. Uh, but I can't buy that uh, the Rose Bowl. And, and this is, again, since the team, uh, the conference went to 12 teams, no team that's lost the Pac-12 title game has won its bowl game. None, because Oregon lost to uh, Oklahoma. So it's again. So there is a big letdown there, and then you – Factor in the coaching change and whatnot, and obviously Oregon wasn't up for the challenge. And all that sheds a negative light on the Pac-12. But if Utah goes out there and wins Saturday, who cares? Devin, longtime Oregon Duck fan who always comments whenever you have anything to say about Oregon or we have a post about Oregon or whatever. He says, you realize Oregon was missing 30 scholarship players from either injuries, opt-outs, or the transfer portal before the bowl game. Their head coach bailed on them in mid-October. They won 10 games with a glorified backup QB. The fact they won the North was a miracle. On to new beginnings. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime Oregon can win a game, it's a miracle because they have so many disadvantages. I mean, I, it's just it's amazing. Just the fact that they feel the team, I think, is incredible. And so if they should win a game, it's an absolute miracle that Oregon won the North. Even though they were overwhelmingly picked to win the North. It's just, I mean, this is right there in the holiday season with Jesus' birth. I mean, some of the, walking on water, pfft, Oregon won the North. That's better than that. Healing the sick, pfft, Oregon won the North. That's better than that. Stop me, DJ. You're a scriptorian. A scriptorian? <laughs> New word. If it doesn't exist, it should. That's not true, Yak. Back me up. Scriptorian? Scriptorian is I've never used. I've never used that word. DJ. I'm sorry. Because you're humble. That's why. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely a word. <laughs> All right, when we come back, question of the day, part two. Everything, everything reflects on the Rose Bowl these days, doesn't it? All roads lead to Pasadena. We'll get to question number two, the Utes and the future beyond the Rose Bowl next. Stay with us.